This episode is brought to you by HD Services. If you're into heavy iron and have been looking to follow other companies that are building their brand in the heavy equipment repair space, I recommend HD Services out of Southern California. Eric at HD Services has been building cat transmissions most of his life and started doing them under his own brand back when the company he managed for shut down during COVID. He's now growing his cat powertrain business rapidly and has been sharing his story and progress on Instagram. Check them out at underscore HD Services underscore. And if you need any help on your equipment or want to know more information, take a look at their website at www.hdsvcs.com. What's up, guys? Welcome back. I'm Colton McCormack. This is the Certified Wrench Podcast. Today, doing a little something special. Right, man? Special? Yeah. <laughs> As you heard in the beginning here, which you haven't heard yet, we have a new sponsor. First sponsor. I'm pumped on this. <laughs> anyway, I've got... Uh, Eric DeAndero, right? I said it right. Yep, that's it. I felt the pressure, man. <laughs> anyway, if I you had, can pass that test, you can you can pass them all. I hope. So <laughs> I've got De- Derek. <laughs> I've got Eric on. <laughs> he is uh, Certified Wrench's first ever sponsor, and uh, I couldn't be more grateful for that. Eric, uh, let's talk about you for a minute. What, uh, what, uh, first of all, what do you do? Why are you sponsoring the Certified Wrench Podcast and, uh, the whole shebang? You've, you've heard my podcast. Yeah, I'll try and dive in. Uh, (laughs) I, uh, I, first of all, I do heavy equipment transmissions specifically for Caterpillar. Um, I started on my own about two years ago and I've been doing it ever since, uh, the reason I decided to sponsor the podcast is because I started listening back in uh, February or so and quickly got hooked and uh, always always liked that there was a podcast out there that spoke about specifically wrenching um, on heavy equipment. There's not many out there that I've found. And, uh, you know, it's a small it's a small world we all live in as far as mechanics go for heavy equipment, but it's uh, it's like a mega huge industry. And so if you know one person, you usually know several, and uh, this is just a good way to connect everybody. So, uh, yeah, no, I, 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 once I started, it's a funny story, actually. I, I heard the podcast where you first started talking about wanting the sponsorship, and I was like a week late when I heard it. <laughs> and uh, I'm like, damn it, I'm, I'm sure I missed the boat on that one. Like, I'd love to be able to sponsor it just to help out, you know, keep the little guys going. And, uh, and then uh, I quickly listened to the episode thereafter. And you were still talking about one of the sponsorships. So I'm like, shit, yeah, I'm going to I'm gonna hit up Colton and see if I can do it. Sick. I'm pumped on it, man. <laughs> um, I forgot what I was going to say, so go on. <laughs> I totally brain farted. Yeah, it's all good. <laughs> I'm just uh, yeah, worried. So, that I got so, the fan in the background, and it's fucking, it's throwing me all off. I can off, hear it so. on my end. Well, that's good. I can hopefully, hear it on my end. So it hopefully be right. nobody else can. But uh, anyway, so... <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, my story is uh, 
I, I uh, was born into a, a family that owned a heavy equipment uh, repair shop already. My dad started it when I was about a month old. Um, and he grew it from working in by himself in a little shed with a wheelbarrow full of solvent and a couple hand tools uh, to growing it into a, a, uh, a pretty substantial business that uh, lasted for 30 years. And uh, a combination of him needing extra work for cheap and uh, me getting bad grades all through school. I was constantly grounded and forced to work for him. <laughs> for uh, I think I think I first started with him for like a dollar a day. Oh crap! And uh, <laughs> I was probably five years old. I remember using a putty knife to scrape up uh, oil and dirt that had mixed together and like made like a putty on the ground on the cement. Yeah, that's you know it's the best a five year old can do. And um, and so, yeah, my brother and I worked with him for a long time. We kind of grew up through the company, worked in all different facets of it. I uh, I started turning wrenches, I think, officially when I was about 10 or so. Uh, just small stuff, you know, taking apart pumps and um, cleaning gears and shit like that. Um, but then once I got older, I started uh, becoming more interested in trying to do my own thing. And uh, when I was 18 I and graduated high school, I got a job at a tire shop just like just about had probably done at one point or another mm-hmm. and uh i did that for a year worked out real good and then my dad needed another mechanic he uh he offered me to come back and i did and then uh that would have been probably 2007 or so i went back to work for him and i worked for him for five or six years um just started out and he he had his business set up in kind of an assembly line where if you're building a transmission you're not you're not the one that tears it down or washes it. So it's the newer guys that come in to tear the transmission down. They're the ones that are washing it and putting all the parts together. Um, and that was kind of my job for wow. a long time. Um, so I got really I got really familiar with the transmissions just by taking them apart and seeing kind of how they work. Um, and uh, did that for a long time. And then he finally promoted me into a mechanic. Uh, I think I was, uh, I probably was maybe 19 or 20 when that happened. Um, and mechanic from for quite a long time. I uh, yeah, it was also a typical 19 or 20 year old where I was not the best employee. I had a problem with uh, showing up late and calling sick too much. And uh, I think he fired me five or six times in a couple of years, but always brought me back on. Um, but then we uh, we we kind of had a uh, a difficult relationship after a little while because we had worked together for so long and. Uh, I should have been doing better for him. He could have been nicer to me, blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. And uh, I decided to, uh, at this time, I had been married with a, with a wife and a kid. And we decided to move over to uh, Utah um, to try things there. She had some family over there and everything. And made sense to try Salt Lake City out for a change. Uh, I went to work for a company in Salt Lake City. It was a similar company to what we've got right now, or that we had then. Um, it was basically a equipment salvage place. Hmm. Um, they would uh, they would basically buy machinery, tear it down, and sell the parts off. Um, and they had been doing business with us for for quite a while. And uh, so I hit him up and said, you know, I'm coming to Utah. I need to uh, get a job. He said he was interested in starting to build transmissions. Um, so I started that job with him in uh, 2000. And, let's see, 2012. Um, and I worked for him for about five months or so. And after the third month, I realized I was not the right person for that, that place. Um, a lot of 
they've, they've been around for a long time. They've got a great reputation, but it just, they just did things in a way I wasn't that comfortable with. And uh, luckily, on my way home from that place was uh, a cat dealership. Um, and I stopped by there and started dropping off my resume every single day. And uh, kept, you know, I would like sneak into the shop and shit. And find the find the guys that are dressed nicer than the mechanics, and hope that they were the right manager. And I start just dropping my my name to them all the time, and got to the point where I would walk in the uh, I'd walk in the, the front desk, and they'd say, "Yeah, just go ahead." You know, <laughs> they, <laughs> knew, they knew I was name. there to try to get a job. <laughs> yeah. So I finally landed an interview with the uh, the manager in the CRC shop there, and uh, he basically was like, oh, it "Kind of looks your resume kind of looks like a bullshit. You've you've been." Uh, you know, you're 22 years old, 23, I think. And uh, you've got, you know, eight years experience already. How the hell did that happen? You know, so I started kind of telling him how it went and what I was doing. And I was just, you know, saying, I'll, I'll take any job in this transmission shop I'll, I can I can get. Uh, you can pay me whatever you got to pay me. I just got to make ends meet. And uh, I remember him telling me at one point, you know, we've got 95 applicants for this one position. It was for transmission teardown tech. And uh, he's like, so, you know, you got to do something that wows me or something to get me to remember you. And he's like, well, I mean, I've, I've been in here every single day for the last three months. You can ask just about anybody, you know. And uh, and I almost know the guys in the shop by a first name basis because I'm usually talking to them on my way in or my way out looking for, for you, you know. And yeah. uh, so he thought that was pretty funny. But ironically, I got super lucky on the second interview. Uh, he, he brought me in for a second and uh while I was in there, a mechanic came in with a, a transmission issue. He was from the, uh, the side of the shop that actually pulls the transmissions and doesn't repair them, right? And so he comes in, and he, uh, uh, you know, he stops the interview, uh, walks in and says, hey, I got this quick question. This is what we found in the transmission uh, in the screen. And uh, it was a piece of a bearing, pale bearing. And it was out of a DA-10, or I'm sorry, a, a D-10T. Um, and so he pulled the bearing up and he says, all right, let's pull the transmission. Let's get it out of there. And uh, I was like, actually, uh, I don't want to intrude on this, but um, that's a straight roller bearing. Those transmissions don't have those. They're all either tapered bearing in the transfer case or the roller bearing in the planetaries. There's no straight roller bearings on there. Um, and they're like, well, then where the hell would this have come from? I said, well, the only, the only component that I can think of that shares oil with that machine would be a steering and brake assembly or the torque converter hmm. and uh and the torque converter wouldn't have that bearing either so i'm i'm guessing it's probably steering a brake and uh and they're like all right we'll tell you what we're, we're going to pull both out transmission and the steering clutches um and if you're right we'll hire you and i got a call <laughs> two days later and said you got the job so, <laughs> that's awesome uh, <laughs> it was worked out in my favor i'm rarely that lucky but it worked out um, so I started there. I immediately went over and got my toolbox. I, uh, I offered a two week notice to the company I was working with. They said, no, you can get the hell out of here. You know, and typical, if you will go work for cat, yep, you go work for cat. You're never going to come back here and find another job in this industry again. Okay. So, uh, I went for it and, uh, it was, it was, it was one of the best companies I'd ever worked for. I, I walked into this beautiful facility. I had probably the shittiest spot in the whole shop. Um, because it was right next to uh, the automatic door that would go outside. And I was a California kid with my first time being in real winter. Oh, and when that oh, door would open, oh. you know, you'd get the the 12 degree, you know, snow winds blowing in. Yes. <laughs> and I was the first guy to 
to block it for everybody else. Um, but I did it. I, I, I decided to keep pushing through it. I, I, it was a decent job for the pay, and, um, and uh, it was working out really well. They started having me build some transmissions here and there, but it was mostly teardown. And I was there for about six months or so. And then uh, I saw a, a, a job posting for a training position. And uh, I'm like, I, I just went out of this, this snow. You know what I mean? I, I was the guy that was getting all of it. So, like, shit, I'll, I'll apply for it anyway. I'll apply for anything. I've, I've uh, you know, I was, I was a mechanic at one point. I, I kind of know what I'm talking about, but I have no idea what the hell I'm doing when it comes to training. But I'll try it anyway, you know. And so I applied for it. And uh, I got lucky again because they, they, if you apply for it and you work there, you have to get an interview. At least that was a policy then. Hmm. And uh, so I got an interview. And uh, I was 23. They were like, you're far too young. You don't have nearly enough experience for this. But we'll let you, we'll let you uh, take a crack at it. You got to do a uh, basically like a trial run uh, class, you know, teach us a class hmm. uh, for, for 10 minutes. Uh, it'll be the training manager, a couple other trainers that already work there, and uh, you know some upper management people. Okay, we'll try it. And you got one week to repair. It's going to be on electricity or uh, like electrical. And I'm like shit. I'm, I've been a transmission guy my whole life. I have. <laughs> I can shit. jump a battery, and that's about it. You know. Yeah. And so I told him I was like, I don't know anything about electrical here. I'm the, I'm the wrong guy for that. And they're like, I know. That's why. That's why we want you to teach it. You know and. Like, okay, and so they they said they wanted to see how well you can learn something and then be able to portray the or the uh, you know relay the information to people. And so I went home, uh, told my wife, you know, I'm going to be sucked in this computer for the next you know six days straight, um, and try to develop a class that, on a subject I have no idea what the hell I'm talking about. Oh, you had to develop and, a uh, class? They didn't give you oh, something yeah, to yeah, teach? No, no, oh, no. Shit. they didn't give me anything to teach. It was just teach us about basic electrical. I'm like, well, what? I don't even know where to start on that. Well, just start and see where you get. And so <clears throat> after a couple of days of doing some research, I was I had some idea of what I wanted to talk about. But uh, I knew they had like training aids and shit in the uh, in the training department for that class specifically. And so I went and asked the manager, you know, would it be OK if I use one of these training aids after work uh, one night so I can kind of learn myself, <laughs> you know, give myself a training course on your training aids. That way I can know what the hell I'm talking about when I go to give this class. They said, yeah, sure, you can uh, You can be in here anywhere from five to nine o'clock at night because we've got people till then. If you're not out by nine, you get locked in and that'd be a bad night. <laughs> and so um, so I did, I stayed, I would, I would work, you know, a 10 hour shift, I'd get off, I'd go straight up to the training room in my coveralls and be covered in dirt and uh, just mess around with their training aids and um, built the class around them. And then uh, they had me come up to teach the class. And I didn't realize, they said there was going to be, you know, the training manager, a couple trainers, um, maybe a mechanic or two, and a different manager. And uh, it was the training manager, all those other people, but about 10 of them, plus the vice president of the company. <laughs> and uh, so I'm immediately I'm shitting my pants and having to not, <laughs> you know, having to hide it. <laughs> yes. And uh so I just, I just kind of, you know, uh, swallowed up and went for it and uh, gave a class. And uh, I was nervous. I was sweating. I was jingling my keys, you know, and doing all the wrong things. Um, and 
somehow they gave me the job. And uh, I remember him telling me, you know, you, you're, I don't know, I don't know what you did, but the VP really liked you and the training manager really liked you as well. Um, I think it was more so the effort that I put into making the class than actually giving the class, um, which I had never really considered before. I didn't know that was a thing that they would look at. I just kind of got lucky and did the right thing. Um, and I got in the training department. They said, you were the, you're the youngest trainer that, that we know of that cats hired ever. Um, and you need to be able to figure out how you're going to be teaching these guys that have been doing this for 30 years and have them respect you. And, uh, that was a mega, yeah, it was a mega challenge. And I had to learn the hard way. It's a, uh, just like any job, especially in mechanics, you know, this is the second you get into it, you've got the guys that know everything and don't want to talk about anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and you have to kind of earn the respect before they start giving you things, you know, things to do or teach you on things. And, um, so I had to, uh, figure that out and it was a really, you know, arduous process. It, 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 it was, uh, I had a lot of times where I would teach a class and end it early cause I would just be defeated. I couldn't get through to these guys and. Um, but the more I did it, the more I got better at it, um, the more I learned how to include them and maybe have them uh, talk more and listen less. And uh, it would kind of put them back into a position of uh, a conversation with me instead of just me teaching a class. And uh, yeah, it was uh, it was one of the one of the most important things I've ever learned uh, in my career outside of mechanics um, is be able to walk into a room and talk to these people that have been doing it for all this time and earn their respect quickly enough to where you can get we need to get done done yeah um so then uh <clears throat> i did that for two years that was the funnest job i've ever had it, uh, i was flying all over the place getting trained bringing it back training people i had 500 students on my roster um i ended up starting to get requests uh from uh, uh a lot of the local minds around there to come do teaching for them as well uh mshaw certifications safety classes. Um, cool. Yeah. Um, it was, it was awesome. I was able to bump shoulders with all these people. I never thought I'd be able to with, you know, and, uh, and I learned a shitload from all of them. And then, uh, that was going really well. We were happy in Utah, but then my dad called me one day and said, you know, I, uh, things changed here. I need somebody to come back and manage this place. Uh, the manager that they had at the time was, uh, was, uh, on his way out and, he needed somebody to fill the shoes and he couldn't think of anybody else that could really just walk in and know what's going on, you know? So yeah, I moved back to California, left that job. It was really sad, but I left that job and I moved back to California in 2016, or I'm sorry, 2014. Um, and started managing the company. I was named general manager. I, uh, over the service uh, side of the shop, my brother was uh, over the sales side of the shop and, uh, you know, outside of, uh, <laughs> various uh, uh, family dynamics that made that hard. Oh, uh, we were able to make it work, you know. Um, and uh, so I managed, uh, you know, anywhere between 20 and 25 employees at the time. Um, we were doing about 30 transmissions a month, uh, blowing and going, and uh, everything was really good. We even, we, I mean, they, we survived the recession when nobody else did at least the small mama pop shops. And, uh, and so we, we had really, uh, built ourselves a, a nice, uh, comfortable fluid business that mostly sustained itself. And then, um, 
in 2018, we got an offer from a company that had been uh, working with us for a long time to uh, buy us out. And I remember thinking, you know, well, I don't know if I want to take over the business. My dad wanted to retire or if we should sell and I should just go into this and get a cushy, you know, executive job and uh, live off of that for the rest of my life. And that's what we decided to do. You know, I had a, I, I was named general ma- or a branch manager for the Riverside location of that company. Um, we moved the entire facility over into a new one. Uh, and most of our employees came with us. I had to hire a bunch of people. I think at this time we had close to 30 employees that we had hired and uh, with this new company. And we were in this really nice facility uh, building transmissions. That was all we did. We built transmissions. We were one of seven branches that exist in this company. Um, and uh, things were things were going really well. It was uh, it was a struggle, you know, having to work with these new executives that I didn't know, you know, from previous jobs or anything like that. And it was the first company I ever had to go sit in the board meeting for. Hmm. Um, and uh, so that was interesting. And you didn't have but, to argue with your dad no more. No, I didn't. But I had a whole <laughs> new set of people to argue with. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, now I had a CFO I had to argue with, you know, yeah. and uh, he thought I was just a dumb mechanic and I thought he was just a dumb CFO. And so we would butt heads pretty often. <laughs> um, but I think it's pretty normal in most organizations like that. You get to the upper management area and uh, people have different ideas, different ways of doing things. I had seen this business done the way it's been done for 30 years. They had just gotten into it and had a totally different, you know, new idea on how to do it. And so we used to fight about it quite a bit. Um, but it was good. It was a good business. It was a good job. I thought I was going to stay there till retirement. And then uh, uh, COVID hit in 2020. What? And that, uh, it sounds out, like right? it fucks yeah. up everything. Excuse my friend. Yeah. Yeah. COVID. You ever heard of it? Yeah. Jeez. Um, <laughs> so when that happened, um, we're in Southern California and they reacted real strong. Hmm. And they said, you know, we weren't able to go to work for two months. The city was like pulling people over and shit. Yeah. That's ridiculous. Um, yeah. And uh, it was just, you know, Friday we left. Monday we couldn't go back for two months. And I remember being like, well, what, what the hell, what, what about all our customer jobs that are in there? These guys are out, they're still working and these machines are still moving mm-hmm. and we have their transmission, you know, and it's halfway built sitting on the shelf. What are we going to do? You know, and sorry, that's the way it is. You can't go back, you know? And, um, so then I started, then I started sneaking in to the shop. I would drive and sneak into the shop to work on the, <laughs> the transmissions to get them fixed because the customers would be calling me. These have been my customers for, you know, 10 or 15 years that I've, I've spoken to for a long time. And, um, now they're calling me saying, you know, you know, your dad's place an American independent, you guys would just get it done no matter what mm-hmm. at this new place. You're just, you, what you have to just listen to him. I'm like, okay, if this, on this trajectory, if it keeps going like this and we don't, uh, ever open back up and I have to go find a new job, I'm going to be looking for a job with a lot of pissed off customers. Because I'm basically the one to blame mm-hmm. for COVID and it shutting our business down, you know. And so I started sneaking into the shop and finishing their components. And uh, I was the only one there and in this big shop trying to get these things done. And I was coordinating with them to, you know, go around the security cameras and shit so they couldn't be seen. <laughs> so I could load them up. Um, Jesus. I had, like, tape, tape over the security cameras so the management wouldn't find out. I'm sure they knew, but they just weren't saying anything. And um, I... And then I got the call. We had to lay off all of our employees and oh. I had to lay off, you know, 25 people at this point. 
And uh, that was probably the lowest point of my career. You know, the, some of these guys have been working with us for 20 years. Um, we knew them, their families, you know, they were friends. They'd come to our house. And, mm-hmm. uh, and you probably and knew hired... a bunch of them for a long time, no? Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, a lot of them, you know, a, a good portion of them were friends from high school that I yeah. just hired over the years. And, um, so, yeah, I was really sad to have to do it. And it was, I was the, the messenger and I, I got shot by all of them. You know? <laughs> so, um, so they kept me on. They decided they're going to close that branch completely and permanently. And they basically kept me on to hire 10 workers to come out and package up the whole facility and ship it to their headquarters back east. And um, I did that for a couple months and started kind of seeing the writing on the wall that, you know, this isn't this isn't going to go my way. Uh, it's not like we can just bring these people back. They've all got jobs now. Um, and so I'm, I'm either going to be stuck in this, you know, this this position where I've got these high expectations. Things are going to open back up. They're going to say, you got to build a crew of 30 people immediately and start promo- like start pumping out the same sort of sort of transmissions you were before. Hmm. And uh it was either going to be that or they just fire me. And uh, so before any of that happened, I decided to, to quit and uh, look for another job. And so I left that company in uh, uh, 2020 and uh, started hitting up all the customers that I had done right by while we were shut down and uh, and got, you know, five or six really good offers come my way immediately. A lot of a lot of those guys said, you know, we're not going to follow the rules. We're going to just keep, keep working. Hell yeah. You know, shit's not going to stop. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so I got a lot of real good offers right away, but it, it kind of changed. I'd always kind of wanted to do my own thing. I've seen my dad do it, you know, and I helped manage the business for a long time. So I had a little bit of experience of, uh, you know, what it takes and what that looks like to grow a company like this again. Um, but I just never really had the, the right opportunity or the right reason or, Never thought I was really good enough to be able to get it done either. It's a scary thing, um, man. Hell yeah, it's scary. Especially at this point, I've got a wife and two kids. You yeah. know, it's not like I can just go lose everything and then have them suffer for it. Um, especially when I've got good job offers on the table. Um, but the fact that I got, you know, several good job offers right away um, kind of changed my thinking and was really the catalyst for me to decide, you know, if I've got. If I've got these guys willing to pay me this for them, I could do the same job for them, for all of them, and not just one. I could do the same job for all of them. I could charge them more, but they'd be paying less because I wouldn't just be a full-time employee. And so um, instead of being on a salary or something like that for X amount a year, I could be you know, charging a quarter of that between six different companies and uh, – make more money and they'd be, they'd love it because they wouldn't have to pay for all the other shit that comes with employment, like insurance and, you know, liability or anything else like that. Hmm. And so I started my business and, uh, I, I bought a computer. I, I set up my garage into an office and just started trying to deal transmissions as best I could. I, I got with all the people we used to compete with, um, who still built transmissions and powertrain components. Uh, and, tried to start selling for them back in the California where now there's this new void because we're gone. Um, and that worked out. Okay. Surprisingly, it didn't go. I didn't, I didn't think it was going to go as I thought I'd do. Okay. But I didn't think it was going to go as bad as it did. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it, um, it was just enough to survive for a while. And it wasn't, it wasn't any, like I didn't get rich or anything real quick. I mean, I was, 
there was many months it was top ramen, you know, and oh, yeah. trying to figure it out and waiting for a paycheck, you mm-hmm. know. But um, and I was I started doing things that I never thought I'd have to do either, like building websites or photography or uh, you know various uh, consulting work. Um, but uh, I, I it kept me afloat, luckily, and I was able to do that until. Uh, beginning of this year i finally uh decided to go all in i sold my truck uh dirt bikes everything else that i had that was of value sold everything and put it all into getting a shop together and uh, it's been it's basically been that since and uh it's been uh, let's see 10 months now to the day since i opened my shop up and uh i'm loving it it's cool man that's badass it's been good yeah it, i i'm not trying to chew my own horn because i i I fuck a lot of shit up too. You know? Beep beep. <laughs> I've had to learn. <laughs> I'm not. This 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 business could probably do a whole lot better if I wasn't the one running it. But uh, mm. but we're able to make it work, and uh, uh, yeah, I'm loving it. So yeah. it, it's but it's funny too because I found your podcast right after I had opened my shop. Okay. And uh, and so you know I, I get to hear all these people. Um, one uh, I think his name is Wade with Freedom. Yes. Um, I don't know if that's not a name drop. I can't do, but. Uh, <laughs> Uh, he 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 was going through it the same, or he was talking about it the same time I was going through it, and so that's what got me hooked in this podcast. Like, man, it's it's so cool to hear other people kind of going through the same story, the same shit, in the same industry. A lot of them at the same age, mm-hmm. uh, and you know, mostly for the same reason. You know, COVID hit, things changed, and here we are. So yeah, you wouldn't believe uh, believe the amount of messages and stuff I get on social media of like, hey man, you know, I was really stuck in a rut and your podcast has helped me and I decided to quit and do my own thing or go to another company. I'm like, don't listen to me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm just here to talk yeah, about man. it. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. It, I, people ask me that all the time too. Like, now that they see that I'm doing okay, you know, uh, how'd you, what made you decide to start a business? Like, I don't know. I didn't really have that many options. I just thought I can get people to pay me to do what I know how to do best, you know? And, and they didn't at first, <laughs> it, was, it was really hard at first, Yeah. Uh, but now they do, you know? And, uh, so I'm not, I'm not like uh, a well-educated guy. I'm not uh, super experienced in all of it. There's plenty of people out there that could probably do it better than me. I just kind of did it. I just went for it. Yeah. And I, I honestly, that's, in my experience, I think that's what it takes. Mm-hmm. It's just the uh, you flip the coin. If it lands heads, you go for it. If it fails, you say, you know, fucking, I'm, I'm not doing it. <laughs> Give a job. Yeah. So let's uh, let's talk about HD services real quick. You know, I, I know you said you do powertrain components. What all do, does your business consist of? Yeah. So uh, since I started my shop, it's basically consisted of building scraper transmissions for. Uh, a small handful of customers, um, and I've, I'm I'm my own guy. I do everything from start to finish. I have to do all my books and everything like that too, which is one reason to not go into business for yourself because that shit's a pain <laughs> in the ass. But uh, but no, I I I rebuild transmissions for Caterpillar machinery, um, and it it all my customers have come to me because. There's not many people out there doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if, if cat dealers are three or four months backed up because they can't find people doing it, then they bring it to me and I can get it done in a, in a couple of weeks. And so it's, it's uh, I, you know, I buy and sell transmissions. I broker things. I've got a lot of companies that I use as vendors and, and work with. Um, so if I don't have it, I can usually find it. 
and get it. Um, but yeah, most of my days just spent turning wrenches on transmissions. And are you by yourself or you got employees or I'm by myself. I'm by Man. myself. I, uh, and it's, it's a lot of work to keep it up, but, um, I'd like to get employees one day. I mean, that's my goal is to eventually grow it and get another couple of guys in here. The problem with it, and just like everybody else, is uh, like uh, like what Wade was talking about. Um, you know, I want to get another another guy, but then that means I got to buy another truck. That yeah. means I've got to buy insurance. That means I've got to pay a guy, even if we don't have work. And so, I'm trying not to rush it. I'm just kind of letting it be. And uh, I've got to I've got work out the door right now, um, so I'm not not hungry for work i am hungry for help but uh you know one day that's going to flip too and uh so i'm kind of i'm waiting to see where the economy goes i'm waiting to see where everything lands in the next year or two and by then i think i'll i'll know what i'm going to do or i will have already started to build it up into something a little better that's wild man that's uh that makes me feel even more appreciative of you because you're a one-man show i thought you had employees and everything going uh no no so, uh, well, yeah, no, honestly, like it wasn't, I didn't want to do it because I wanted to promote real heavy. Yeah. I didn't do it because I wanted to gain a huge following or anything like that. I mean, shit, I'll take a following if that's what I can get, but, <laughs> um, it's, it was more so just, I, I've just been doing it for so long that I know the industry needs more podcasts and things like this to connect people because it's getting harder and harder to find them. Um, I was, uh, I was a big fan of, uh, I won't say the name, but there, there's another big prominent podcast uh, that we probably all know of. Yeah. Um, <laughs> run, uh, you know, run also by a, a young guy, younger guy. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and I, I followed it for a long time, but I always noticed, you know, it's, it's really interesting and intriguing, but it doesn't really speak to guys like me because I'm just not, I'm not, a, I'm not an owner of a you know, multi-million dollar company with tons of equipment and, yeah worrying about marketing and anything like that. I just, I, so when I found yours, it really was relatable. Yeah. So I, I was willing to do it just to, just to keep it going. If anything, I don't want to see it shut down. Yeah. <laughs> I want to see it grow. <laughs> yeah. That's i I'm trying to get this thing to grow, man. And my, the Instagram luckily, you know, in the past week is just, I've gained over a thousand followers in like four days, you know, it's just, it's awesome. It's just glow. It's growing just because of a, a video, you know, I made, and it pissed a lot of people off, but whatever. It's yeah. it was just a joke. <laughs> the tool, the, the, the tool video. Yeah, the guy that said, you know, f off, uh, you know, whatever. Anyway, that yeah. thing I get. It, it's just that video is just blowing up, and anyway, enough about that. You know, what's funny is I so I before I started Instagram, I was on LinkedIn, mm -hmm. and I, I got a pretty decent following on LinkedIn. Nothing crazy. I think I've, I think last I checked, I've got like a little over five thousand followers on LinkedIn. Oh, wow, Damn. but. Uh, but it was all just, you know, at the time, it was all just sharing the shit that I was doing and nothing. I was mostly telling a story about, or I would mostly post about starting a business and, uh, you know, the trials and tribulations you go through doing it, you know, like, I, I, and I was pretty open with it. You know, I'd write a post like, this week I have zero money. And so <laughs> this is what I think I'm going to do. And hopefully it works, you know. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, it's, uh, I just, you know, I had a, a similar story that you had where I posted a video one day of, uh, on LinkedIn of me, uh, zapping down bolts on a torque converter. And, uh, it was done with my Harbor freight, oh. uh, impact gun, mm -hmm. <laughs> which by the way, I love that goddamn thing. Yeah. It cost me $95 with a battery and I've had it since January and the thing still goes hard. So, uh, I know everybody, 
I, I'm not going to say that it's better than Milwaukee or anything else because I'm sure I'll, my shop will be set on fire if I say that. But uh, <laughs> uh, but I had this guy come to I had this guy uh, you know hit me up and say, well, one of these days maybe you can afford a Snap-on uh, impact gun. I don't want that. And I wrote back. <laughs> I, just, I wrote back. I was. I said, you know, uh, I don't need a Snap-on uh, impact gun, but I do have a Snap-on torque wrench because all I need this thing to do is tighten bolts, and that's where I can torque it. Mm-hmm. You know, and mm-hmm. so I'm. I torque everything with a seven hundred dollar uh, uh, torque wrench, but I zap it down with a ninety dollar gun that I can go replace tomorrow for ninety bucks. Yeah, I don't trust your um, Doug torque. Okay. Right. Right. <sighs> so it's like, yeah. I mean. Maybe one day I can afford a Ferrari too. Doesn't mean I'm gonna buy one. Because I'd rather put money back into my business and yes. try to keep my costs low for my customers. That's mm-hmm. why they come to me. If I start buying Snap-on everything, or have a Snap-on equivalent type shop, then I start having to charging or start having to charge those those high dealer prices, and I won't be able to compete like I do now. Yeah. So it's a, it's more about what you need and less about what you want. And I'm not I'm I have. A long time ago, I stopped trying to impress mechanics because I'm more interested in trying to impress customers. Yeah, and uh, I, I wanted to keep, to see my keep this, you know, professional as possible. That's all I had to say. Well, I wanted to keep <laughs> it professional tools. as possible, but you know, with with tool talk and stuff, you know, we can definitely talk tools because I, I want to talk tools with you. Um, but it seems like lately, it's just a big uh, dick measuring contest on who has the better tools and the most tools. Yeah. Yeah, um, With, I, I have done both. I started, when I started uh, turning wrenches for my dad, he said, you know, the first thing you got to do is start buying tools. And when a Snap-on truck shows up every week, that's the easiest way, especially mm-hmm. when they give credit to a, exactly you know, a basically open account to a 16-year-old that makes no money. Um, yeah, I, I, I had a badass toolbox and a lot of cool tools, but I also had, you know, 9000 in debt when <laughs> I could barely afford a car. Yeah. Nope. And so... My my uh, my uncle, who was a, a transmission guru, he also worked with my dad. Uh, he taught me uh, buy cheap shit and replace it with expensive stuff if it breaks within a year. Yeah. Uh, so that's what I did, and what I ended up finding out is I've got a toolbox mostly full of cheap shit, <laughs> a couple <laughs> expensive things, and uh, so I, whenever I whenever I hear guys wanting to get into it and talk, you know talk about tools and what should I buy? What should I do? I'm like, go buy what you can afford, mm-hmm. get the biggest toolkit you can possibly get with however much money you've got. If you've got a hundred grand shit, buy Milwaukee, buy snap on, buy all of it. But, uh, if you've got 500 bucks and, or even negative $500, like I did when I started buying tools, uh, you got to buy cheap shit. Mm-hmm. And that's the way you don't climb into debt. And you can start working with that stuff. A Harbor freight wrench, will last you 20 years yeah. unless you really beat it up. Mm-hmm. You don't need to buy a $200 wrench from Snap-on unless you beat them up, right? I mean, I don't work out in the field. I'm in the shop, so I can make my tools last a little longer, and I don't have to rely on them quite as much as a field guy where if my tool breaks, I can just jump in my truck and go buy another one. Yeah. You guys don't always have that option. So I, bl- I, blow through, just, I blow through a 13-millimeter wrenches and sockets like crazy, so I just replace them with gear wrench or you know whatever yeah right now if you look at my wrench set it's harbor freight all the way except for my half inch my nine sixteenths, my three quarters and my 15 sixteenths those are all snap on now <laughs> you know, so those are the ones that, I, that get used the most 
those are the ones that need to work. But on the one-off chance that I might have to use a, you know, eleven sixteenths or some shit, mm-hmm. uh, it's going to be done with a Harbor Freight wrench. Yeah, it's uh, it's just funny, man. I ended up having to turn the comments off on that on both TikTok and Instagram because it was like constantly haters. I'm like, dude, it was just a joke, you know. I'm not yeah. talking about uh, how was how are they saying it, you know? Like, because I said, look at me, I got all this money in Snap on, you know, and I, I can do the same thing with them that I could with Harbor Freight's stuff and. I was just like, I'm not talking about the quality. I'm talking about, or I'm sorry. Basically, I was talking about you can do the same exact thing. You don't need to spend a hundred dollars on a wrench, and you can go buy one for ten ninety nine or whatever, you know. Yeah. And you can do the same thing. Yep. So I remember the specific tool that I learned that on was uh, I had a three quarter wobbly socket from Snap On, and it it just seemed to always wear out. Like twice a year, the thing would always wear out. And uh, one day I went to go replace it, and he didn't have any, and they were like six months back ordered. Hmm. And um, so went and bought myself a. Uh, it was a. It was ninety dollars for that socket, and it was. I think it was like twenty nine ninety nine at Harbor Freight for the full set of <laughs> half inch wobbly Jesus. sockets. <laughs> and those things lasted me. I'm not even shitting you. Those things lasted me for years. Yeah. I never had to worry about replacing them. So I don't know what it was, but they just worked better. Um, and then the worst part is if they if they break. You go right back down to Harbor Freight, you got a whole brand new set again instead of just one socket. Yeah, no warranty, um, that shit. I, yeah. And the funny thing is, you know, I, I say all that stuff and people make fun of me for defending Harbor Freight, I guess. Uh, but I really don't even have Harbor Freight tools on my truck. I have big wrenches, you know, Pittsburgh wrenches in case I need to screw them up. Right. So it's like, mm, shut up. <laughs> but, uh, but speaking of tooling, like... Uh, is there, you have overhead now, obviously. Is there a lot of crazy sure. tooling that you have to have for what you do? And are you spending a ton of money on it? Uh, there, there is some stuff, um, but not, I wouldn't say a crazy amount of money. The, the biggest expense is the shop and the crane and the air compressors. Um, that's really it. I but see you got outside a nice, of that, it's nice overhead crane. Going, you got a little bridge you know? crane. Yeah. Yeah. If you, I mean, if you don't have that, you, you don't do this, you yeah. know, and, <laughs> yeah. um, so, so yeah, that's where my money's that's where my money's gone. So yeah, when, when people say one day you'll be able to afford a snap on impact gun, I'm like, well, I got a shop. That's that's cool too, right? You know, mm, hell yeah, I'll <laughs> I might take do, that. I might, I might do most of my work with Harbor Freight shit, but it gets done. I, I'd, I'd rather compare my product to your product and not my tools to your tools mm-hmm. because that's what it, that's what pays the bills anyway. Yeah, I'll, I'll line up right next to you and watch me either work the same as you or outwork you with my Harbor Freight tools. So, right. Yeah. So, uh, Hmm. You want to take a break? Sure. All right. And we're back. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, so, you know, with the the teaching or you were an instructor but mm-hmm. i want to talk about the uh like your take on learning from zero versus uh going to a trade school yeah uh there's okay the reason i the reason i i always have a i think what is an interesting take on this is that i learned from zero but i was super fortunate in growing up with a dad that had his own business so mm-hmm. 
Um, not everybody gets to learn, learn it the way that I did, but I've watched plenty of people learn it from zero and I've managed them for a long time or worked side by side with them. Um, some of the best guys you get literally come from zero. Yeah. Uh, they not even in training aspect, but yeah, maybe, but, uh, uh, not even from a training aspect, but in a life aspect, you know, some of our best, our best, uh, guys that had, we had working for us for 10, 15, 20 years were ex convicts that, you know, are drug addicted, but, you know, cleaned up and some of them still struggle with drugs or whatever else. And, um, but if you give them, uh, something to learn and something to work for and incentivize them properly, you can make, you know, fantastic employees that, uh, have loyalty and, um, they learn it the way you want them to learn it instead of just being shown it, you know, and, mm-hmm. um, as an instructor, I always tried to, I always try to come from that angle as well, where I didn't want to just throw shit up on a board and say, this is a turbo and this is what it does. <laughs> so there you go, you know, best of luck, you know? Um, so I, I wanted to really try to talk about the functionality of things, what they do, how they work, why they work. Um, and, uh, that, that honestly, that was one of the biggest things that I was able to do and, uh, to get some of these, these, you know, 30 year veteran mechanics on my side during training was, I would just ask him, you know, Hey, do you know how a, a turbo works? You know, and these guys have been doing turbos their entire life or whatever the component was. I remember one time, particularly, uh, uh, I asked a guy that was really giving me a, a pain in the ass, you know, like he was really, uh, challenging me through the class. Why the hell do we got this young kid teaching me? I've been doing this for years and years. <laughs> I don't need this. Guy. He's not, he doesn't know anything that I don't know. And he was probably right uh, for the most part on that. But I remember asking him, um, it was during a torque converter or just like a basic powertrain class. And I was like, well, do you know how a, how a torque converter works? And uh, he's like, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's what goes between the engine and the transmission and makes it not stall when you, when you hit stop, you know? And I'm like, yeah, but, but how does it actually work? You know, and he's like, well, uh, I, I guess I guess I don't really know. I'm like, now we're talking. OK, mm-hmm. so this is something I can teach you, you know. And um, and so, yeah, it, it's uh, th- th- those are the ways you get to learn how they work. But knowing how to fix them is a whole different story. And it's not it's a lot of the stuff is not going to be covered in a school because they just can't cover it. It's mm-hmm. just impossible. Mm-hmm. You have to be able to go out and learn. Yeah. We've hired guys from trade schools before, and they come in with a wealth of knowledge, but zero experience on how to how to do anything. And so you can work with that. It's a really good way to do it. But they also come in with expectations of a shop, a salary. Yes. Um, uh, uh, they they. I hate to say it for anybody that's been to, through a trade school, but hopefully, you, if you have, you uh, you don't go into it with this mindset. They think they know a lot more than they do. Um, and uh, that that really hinders your ability to learn thereafter, uh, because you you it seems simple in a classroom until you get out there and actually start working on it. So, I think if you've got no uh, experience, maybe you're you're looking to get into this field now after maybe you're a car salesman for ten years and now you want to try to start wrenching on heavy equipment. A trade school is a, definitely a, a good option because you're kind of late in the game and it's a good. Uh, a way it's a good way to get a head start versus just starting from zero but if you're young and looking to get a good job and a good career uh and get into being a mechanic i would say just start yeah. don't don't go into debt don't uh don't get taught uh 
ways that don't really exist or get indoctrinated into bad habits, you know, uh, just start, start pushing brooms around a shop and eyeballing things, get to know the people, have them talk to you, have them teach you, do anything they possibly will let you do. If they don't want to go get a wrench because you're closer, get the goddamn wrench and go get it and, and <laughs> give it up to them, you know, because yeah. it's just going to, that's the stuff you have to learn is, is how to work in a shop. Um, and, uh, and once you, once you kind of know the ins and outs of working with, you know, working with these people, you'll start learning from them either way, just through attrition, you'll start to learn it. Mm-hmm. So I think, uh, I think both ways are obviously a viable way to get into it. But if you're young looking to get into it, I would, I strongly suggest do not do a trade school and just start getting into it. Thank you. Yes, I, I did. I'm glad that. you agree. <laughs> well, I, I try to push people towards, you know, trying to find that hole in the wall shop or whatever to try to find a, something like an apprenticeship or somebody to take you under their wing like I did. I don't mm-hmm. if I had to do it all over again, I don't think I would even go back to a school, you know, yeah. the way because I got my first real mechanic job at just shy of 18 and okay. I had known him you know, from the drugs or the, the drug store, the liquor store that I was working <laughs> in, you know, Hey, when are you going to hire me? When are you going to hire me? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, you, you, yeah, you, that's, it's, it's, you're saying the exact same thing. Just, just start push towards doing it yeah. and just start doing it, you know, and, um, don't wait for shit to happen for you. Just do it. Yeah. I started making $1 a day and sometimes not even that. So yeah, <laughs> it's just got to start. Yeah. But don't want to. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I you know if you're unhappy with your wage, you have to also look at what value you bring. It's directly proportional. So if you uh, if you think you're worth more just because yes, this guy gets so paid back. Kind of jumping or, off of that. You know, you've been here for X business. amount of time, and What's usually the, if you're there the that time, worst things about these guys get paid this or owning it's a small not, business. It doesn't mean shit. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's all about what if you can make your company more money they will usually pay you more money. And if they don't, you should find companies that do. Yeah. And that's pretty simple. Exactly what boat I was in, you know, being a level four technician, one of the top field techs for that company and only getting paid basically a level two pay. And you start going, well, something's not right here, you know? And, uh, you know, you got a perfect efficiency 
yep. no rework and stuff. I'm like, well, well, I think I'm gonna head out. <laughs> yep, and that's what I did. We, we we went through that at the company that that bought us out. Um, we got a new CEO in, and uh, he decided, you know, well, he came from the automotive side, so he was saying every guy should start out at at least twenty four bucks an hour in Southern California, and uh, so we're gonna move everybody that's not making that. Uh, up to 24 bucks an hour overnight. And I was like begging them for, you know, weeks, like, please do not do that. Yeah. Please don't do it because I, my, it's not like my budget gets increased. You know, mm -hmm. my, my payroll budget doesn't get increased. You're just stealing it from other areas. And, uh, what about the guys that are, that have been here for five years and making 25 bucks an hour? Mm -hmm. They don't give shit, you yeah. know? And so it, it, man, it, it threw everything off. They ended up doing it and it, it threw everything off. We lost several good mechanics because of it. Just because they're pissed, and it made them. It wasn't. It didn't make him go get another job. It just made him start looking for others. And if you're a mechanic in this field and you start looking, and you're a good one, you're going to get picked up for oh, more yeah. money. Oh, just, yeah. just how it works. So, yeah, it's it. It pissed me off when they did that. I, I was happy for everybody that was making twenty four bucks an hour now when they were making fifteen before, mm. but it, I was really pissed that they were too because now my mechanics were gone. You know, the good guys that had worked their way up there. So. Yeah, having having a big high expectation for pay, when you don't have a high uh, ability to create profit, you're just you're going to be fighting that battle forever. Yeah. You're never going to win it. So you have to figure out ways to become more valuable. Mm -hmm. Get a raise. <laughs> At least in my experience. <laughs> I always, you know, I learned not to expect anything, and when you get a raise at a year, that's fucking phenomenal. And I'm lucky enough to have gotten raises more than a year where I'm at now. And that's just cause my boss is like, I'm happy with what you're doing and I think you deserve yep. this. And I've never asked for a raise. I've always just waited, you know, like until I've gotten a raise. Cause I thought, you know, they see the potential in me like you deserve this. Yeah. And I'm happy. Yeah, I'm happy where I'm at now. So yeah, it's just another way to retain employees. Mm hmm keep them happy you know yeah, and, and it sound you, you've talked about it before too you sound like you worked for a really good company where they they appreciate their people a lot yeah not yeah. everybody does but but it sounds like you've got a good one so my boss phenomenal guy just one of the best guys i've ever worked for and he always had a reputation to be a tough guy to work for and you know i knew him as the big asshole of the Metroplex <laughs> DFW uh, and he he'll 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 come out and say yeah I I am and uh I've just learned that he isn't he just doesn't like people that bullshit yeah if you're straight up with him and you communicate me and him yeah. have a, a a great working relationship and I wouldn't trade it for anything you know I I plan on working for this place for as long as I can until yeah, good. Uh, yeah, he's. I could go on and on about this place, but and it's just a small utility company. All we do is underground wet utilities. That's it. Hmm. No major construction, nothing. We go in and put sewer, water, you name it, in the ground. And twelve crews, I think we have. So nothing, really, nothing huge. And and you're the main mechanic for them. Uh, yeah, we just hired another guy, Steve. He, uh, I've mentioned him on here before. He was actually a listen listener and approached me like hey i'm moving to that area you know anybody hiring i'm like <laughs> hell yeah <laughs> so um, see yeah. that's that's why this podcast is important mm -hmm. 
And you know exactly what? And right. I've made, I've met so many people through this podcast and friends. Well, I'm, I gained yeah. a lot of friends through Instagram before this podcast, but I've just so many people now, and it's it's so cool. You know, yeah. Especially, at some point, go ahead. At some point, you're gonna have to hold like a big party. <laughs> a big meetup right in the where, middle of the United yeah. States. <laughs> yeah, man, where everybody can get together and meet everybody face to face. Got a got a, a huge one. following in Australia and Canada and uh, some in Ireland. It's just it's wild, you know. People in Brazil like, hey, listen to the podcast, great, and like this is freaking crazy. That's rad. So it's awesome. Anyway, uh, but it goes back to what I was saying too. Yeah. You didn't, you just you just started doing it, yeah. right? Like you don't you didn't go to school for it. You didn't buy a bunch of expensive shit you just started recording you know and yeah and now you're here <laughs> started and you'll off, go further right? started off with a 200 dollar. i think i paid 250 bucks for a set of mics and just crappy boom things and cables and this little tiny soundboard that had two two channels on it and that's what i started out with you know and then bought a yeah. big nice computer soundboard been upgrading the the mics and so yeah, it's, it's now you're buying the Snap-on equivalent to recording equipment. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, this this stuff's not cheap, and I'm I'm doing it all out of pocket, you know, and so that's why I'm looking for sponsors now because I'd like to build a recording studio and all that stuff. So yeah, uh, that's awesome. Anyway, man, so you know, you brought this up earlier, and I'm pretty pumped because we haven't talked about this in a while, but this kind of goes into what you were saying of the you know how to deal with burnout, but learning to love what you do. I really want to talk about that. Well, okay. So I would start that by saying I never thought I was very good at just about anything. And that's not like a looking for a shoulder to cry on shit. It's just, <laughs> I just never, I was very under, under, I was very underachieving for a long time, right? School. I was never good. I always, I, I learned at a very young age, like I'm just going to be a labor guy. I'm not going to be an yep. academic. Yep. Uh, even if I, even if I really wanted to be a doctor, there's no chance of getting into college. You know, just not, not in the cards for me. Um, and so I used to hate what I did because I wasn't very good at it. And I wouldn't put any effort into being good at it. I would just be, I would just put effort into getting things done uh, and clocking out for the day so I can go home and, you know, hang out with my friends. And uh, it, uh, it was a long time of that. And so I was always looking for other op- like ideas or opportunities that I can go work for. Um, I was, I don't know how it is now. I think it's probably the same, but maybe a little better at the time. If I wanted to go get a job, even if it was like as a mechanic, they were looking for a bachelor's degree for some reason or another, mm-hmm. you know, and cat's pretty notorious for that. I don't know if they still are, but they were, um, which is one of the, one, one of the reasons why everybody thought I was like related to the VP or something like that. Cause I got that training job. <laughs> um, in fact, one of the guys that, uh, I'd, I'd heard later on, one of the guys that I beat out in the interview process was, uh, a, uh, a call a college professor that that taught diesel mechanics uh at like the local college hmm. i think i don't i think he was a lot better than me i think i was just a lot cheaper <laughs> so they hired me but uh um but i also put in the effort and just started doing it you know and um but i'm trying to think where, where we were going with, oh so yeah let me love what you do so <laughs> i uh i don't know i i remember i remember hating my job because i would get to a hard part of the transmission right like anybody that builds transmissions knows snap rings are a goddamn pain in the ass, especially mm. if the machines failed. And, uh, you know, there'd be times where I'd be two hours into trying to take one goddamn snap ring off, you know, like the, 
the the part where you you pull it out with a with the uh, 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 flathead screwdriver or whatever was broken off, so there was no way to get it out. Um, I'd be sitting there just like messing with it, messing with it, and sweating and cussing, and and then my manager at the time or my uncle or somebody that was really good at it would walk by and like, what are you doing? Like I'm just, I'm trying to get this goddamn snap ring off. You want help? No, no, I'm gonna get it. You know, just keep messing with it, messing with it, get more and more pissed off. <laughs> they walk back ten minutes later. You want help now? Sure. They go up, and it, it almost seemed like magic, like flick of the wrist, and all of a sudden the snap rings off. You know, I'm like, fuck it. I want to be able to do that one day. You know, and but the more I did it, the better I got at it, and and then I started noticing, I was the eventually I became the guy that would walk through the shop, and see the mechanic struggling with something, and I go over and see if they needed help. But I'd help, and they'd be like, "How the fuck did you just do that?" You know, and You're like, I don't remember ever. <laughs> you know, it, it was weird. It was a weird realization for me because I, I never thought I had gotten any better. I don't like you. Don't really feel yourself get better at things. Mm-hmm. You just gradually get better, and uh, I, I just started noticing like, oh, I'm kind of the guy that can do these things easier now, and these guys are struggling with it. This is kind of fun, you know. And and then I started building again. It was like this is way more fun now because I. I actually know what I'm doing, and it's it's fun to kind of go into competition against yourself yep. and see how see how you can do it better, you know. And and then it's it, it made a whole new person in me where I just I geek out on it constantly. It's one of the, another reason I like your podcast because I hear other people that talk about it. Um, like there's other there's other nerds out there too that just like live in mechanics, you know. Yeah, <laughs> it's all I... they think about and ways to do it better and. From what, um, what you're saying, it, it, it's almost like how I feel about it. It's you start to grow an appreciation for it, um, the knowledge that you have, and being able to do the job. It's hard to explain, really. But I think I, I, it's it's kind of a fancy word for it. But I I think it's kind of an art form. Yes, people that are really yes. good at it, you know. Yep. Um, and once you once you kind of start to feel a little bit like that. We're like, and I'm not there yet. I'm getting closer, but I'm, I've got a long way to go too. Uh, but once you start to get like the finesse of things and make hard jobs easy, it just gets fun. Yeah. Uh, and uh, so, I mean, burnout still happens for me. I still get tired, mm-hmm. uh, especially when you run your own business. And if you don't show up, you don't make any money. You mm-hmm. know, it's not like I can take a vacation, get PTO. That's what I was talking about. You know, now we just do like local Airbnbs yeah. and I'll go hang out in a new house for the night <laughs> and then go to work the next day, you know, and. So, uh, so I, I still try to, you know, take time for myself, but it's not the same way I used to. Um, but starting a business and watching it grow and being able to do things like this, you know, that's that's how I avoid burnout is is try to uh, constantly try to diversify your attention into different things while maintaining the shit that pays you. Yeah, um, definitely. So I, I, I'm sure burnout will hit me hard one day and I'll have no real remedy for it. But at this point so far, I haven't really experienced it. It's been kind of a whirlwind of a career. Um, and, uh, I've been able to do a lot of different things in it, like training. I don't know if I, I think I'd probably get burnt down on training, but it was still the funnest job I ever had, you know, and I get burnt out working on machines or working on transmissions. Um, one time I got really burnt out. You talked about uh, on a recent podcast that you had to work in a, uh, a landfill mm-hmm. on a compactor. Done that plenty of times. Uh, you ever had to work at a chicken farm? Uh, no, but I had to work at a, guy, a biogas plant 
one time where they collect grease from food and human waste. Okay. That's pretty, that's, mm. it sounds like the, the same thing, but this is just chicken waste. <laughs> I, I, but I used to live out in California. There was a chicken farm out there and we drove past it all the time and it was the worst freaking thing to drive by. So I know yeah. what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, that was a day I had burnout real bad. Yes. I had to pull a tra- I had to pull a transmission out of a 966 on a chicken farm, and we opened up the back cab. Uh, you exposed the top of the transmission, and there was, I kid you not, like I don't know, maybe two or three dead chickens, uh, ten years of chicken shit piled on top of it, mm. and it was just like, well, we have pry bars that start shoveling this thing off, you know, <laughs> and get it done, and that was the worst. The worst I've ever had to go through, and that was a really hard day. So I was burnt out that day for sure. Yeah, I go, <laughs> I go through it here and there. Like my job's pretty easy going now compared to my last job, where I was working, you know, sixty to eighty hours a week, sometimes seven days a week. And uh, now I don't. You know, most I work is fifty-five hours, and I haven't seen that in a while. But there's days where I'm just like, man, I, I'm so tired of this. But, you know, the next day you have a badass day to where you're busting out five machines, you know, and it's just an easy day. You're like, okay, that's okay. Now I'm good. You know, I feel better. Yeah. But uh, I, I, that's one. oh, sorry. I was just going to say, sorry, that's, a, that's why I was kind of slacking on podcasts for a while because I was getting burned out and like, oh, man, I really don't feel like sitting here talking, you know, for two yeah. hours because it's not, you guys may hear an hour and a half episode, but that's a basically once you start getting on the phone and talking and taking breaks or whatever before and after you're on the phone for over two hours, two and a half hours at the most sometimes. And then you get the next day where you got to edit the episode and that's sometimes three or four hours. So yeah, I'm like, Oh God, I don't want to do this again, but I'm getting back into it to where I'm like, yeah, I'm ready to go. So yeah. Well, Taking a break is important, but also having a uh, an idea of what you're trying to do yes. and having like a, I guess a, a goal or an, an end game with it and being able to work towards it. Yeah, I mean, if you're if you're working the regular nine to five, uh, that is your day. You're just waiting until five o'clock, and that gets that gets uh, boring real quick, mm-hmm. you know. And if you're not if you're not looking for ways to build your career or build your skill set, or uh, get a hobby or something that helps counteract whatever burnout you feel. That's what's always worked for me was just always trying to look at the next step and figure out what the hell I'm going to do. You know, uh, even, even things that seem like a long shot. I never thought I was going to get a training job and I probably shouldn't have on paper, you know, but, <laughs> yeah. but I did it just cause I tried it, you know, and if that wouldn't have worked, I probably would have been applying for the next VP spot. I don't know. I just would have just kept applying for shit and it keeps it interesting. And if you find out, why you don't get those things or you, you don't get those jobs. There's your list of things to work on, yeah. you know, to eventually go there, get it. There's a reason why you <clears> didn't <throat> stand out compared to so-and-so. Hmm. Right. Yeah. So, so the dirt world can be amazing. Lucrative. What a, did you, are you, I'm trying to figure out what you're getting at here. <laughs> I told you I wasn't a, I told you I wasn't an academic and I completely, forgot the last uh, the last half okay. of that sentence so so sorry um, folks we're talking he, he filled out a questionnaire and i'm reading it uh was there a second half to that <laughs> yeah it was and, and honestly it does play into that where it's just it's such a cool industry mm-hmm. um you go anywhere there's heavy equipment 
everywhere, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And there's a very, very small handful of people that, that work on it or do what we do. And so um, it, for anybody, it, it was more towards if anybody's trying to, or like thinking of a career path or wanting to get into something like this, uh, if you are, if you have the ability to work and still show up and learn and absorb everything that you possibly can, it's going to be such a good career. It's, it's been good to so many people. Um, and I, I always hate seeing that the, the aforementioned podcast that I was talking about does a really good job at that <laughs> for, uh, you know, trying to make, uh, the dirt world more, um, I guess pretty or, uh, glamorous. Right. Yes. Um, but it's not, it's not very tailored to the people that are working on the machines. It's yes. more so the people that are working with the machines are working on the machines versus people working with the machines. Right. So operators, they, it looks badass to be going out there and they do a really good job of that, making it look cool to go run equipment. Nobody's really making it look cool to, uh, work on it. Yeah. Why haven't they and, focused uh, on the, uh, the service truck, you know, that's on the job site and the guy that's working on the machines. I don't understand. Yeah. That. I don't know either. I, I think it's because it's not as big of a market. Um, I, I actually, I met him and I've talked to him before. Um, long time ago at a con expo, uh-huh. I kind of asked that, you know, I was like, I, why don't you, why don't you ever do anything like that? But, you know, training wise, or even just talking about it, getting more into the mechanic side. I mean, like, it's just not really where we're at yet. Maybe one day we will, but it's not our focus yet. Um, which, you know, makes sense. But I think there's, there's a really big market for people that need to run machines. Yeah. And there's not a very big market for, uh, mechanics. So one of my even goals, if there is. one of my goals right now you know, is to get more sponsorships so I can get maybe a better camera. Cause I, every video I've made on social media has been with my phone Okay. or, you know, I have a YouTube channel, which I try to do, but I'm terrible at it. That's all been on my phone filmed and edited. So I want to get a better camera, maybe a drone and maybe go out and visit some folks that are wrenching and do something more with the podcast, you know, and take it to YouTube do something kind of like what he's doing, but for us, our yeah. side, or go to a shop like yours and, you know, take footage and like, this is what he does and, you know, time lapse and, you know, I got great ideas. I just don't have the funds right now to do it. So I hear you. I hear you. That's always, that's always a problem. It's not having enough money for it. Mm-hmm. And, you but, know, wanting, yeah, to, wanting to travel, I, can't do that. Yeah. So, yep. Go ahead. Sorry. I have a, uh, I made a uh, Instagram post uh, a couple months ago. Uh, I have a buddy that had started a uh, uh, video production company, mm-hmm. and he was looking for things to add to his portfolio. And he's like, "Hey, could I come out and like make a commercial for you, like a five minute long video for you?" And I was like, "Yeah, sure, you know." And um, I don't really know what to expect because it's just a greasy, grimy shop, and I build transmissions and stuff, you know. But he came out with all this cool lighting and like just did a bunch of badass shit, you know, just recorded me working on a differential for like a day and a half. Hmm. And then, uh, and it made it look, made my job look way cooler than it is. Made me look way cooler than I am. And <laughs> I was like, man, if it works for me, I should really pursue this. And so I've been talking to him quite a bit about trying to, uh, uh do more, maybe training focused videos, like how to build a differential for a cat six thirty one or, you know, how to build a torque converter or how it works and kind of try to apply my, my training background into what I do now 
and just have a cool video based around it. And so, um, but again, it's, it's time and money and I don't get paid to do that yet. So it's really hard to stop getting or stop doing what I'm getting paid for to, to, to start doing that. Oh, yeah. But one of these days I think I'd like to. Yeah. I, I would watch it cause I don't know how a torque converter on a machine works. I only know how a torque converter works on a, a Chevrolet. For example, yeah, honestly, so. it's it's the exact same thing. Okay. There's there's small differences in some machines, but it's really the same thing. Hmm. But a lot of people don't know it, you know. And I, I, I have a, a, when, when I was when I just started training, I was probably like six months in. We went out to the Tanaha training or the Tanaha like proving grounds, mm-hmm. and uh, they had just come out with a new 988K at that time. And I was the one sent to go learn about it, and then eventually come back and teach all the mechanics about this new machine. And uh, <clears throat> I remember they had just done a big update on a torque converter for it. And so it was like a big deal. The engineer that came that was going to, that had designed that torque converter was coming out to explain to us what the update did and all that other shit. Right. So at the time I was really excited to like meet somebody that designs this stuff. I I see these things all the time. I know how they work. I have no idea how the hell you would design something like this. So these guys must be brilliant and geniuses and blah, 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 you know, and, and they are, but in just not in the same kind of way. Uh, so I remember getting there and he comes out and everyone's all excited to meet him. Hey man, you know, I'm, I'm Eric, I'm, I'm with this company, blah, blah, blah. Um, he's like, oh, let's, let's talk about this torque converter. And he, he pulls out this big blueprint, right. From his designs. This is the update. This is what it does. This is the new lube track, all this other stuff. Um, and he walks up to the machine, holding this piece of paper up to it. And he starts kind of glancing around the machine and he's looking for the torque. And, uh, you know, we let him do that for 30 or 40 seconds. And I walk up and I'm like, are you looking for the torque converter? And he goes, yeah, uh, it should be right here, like in the center area of this machine, right? Yeah. And he's like, uh, oh, there it is. And he points he points to the pump. Like, that's, there's the torque converter. I'm like, that's not that's not the torque converter. He's like, what the hell? Yeah, yeah that's got to be. I was like, no, the torque's right here. And I pointed to the torque. Oh, okay, that's the torque. This is the guy that designed the goddamn torque converter. But he's, but he's only ever seen it on paper. And so, so it's like, he's, he's brilliant in his own regard. He's able to design this torque converter and make it work the way it does. It's really a fascinating component. It's one of my favorites there is, but he's only ever seen it on paper. And so there's this huge disconnect between him and the mechanics that have to work on it all the time. And so it almost goes back to the topic of learning from zero versus a trade school. You know what I mean? If you see all this stuff on paper and in a book, it's really hard to translate that into real world shit which is ultimately what we're going to deal with. Right. I am too. I know. I was amazed by it. And I, I was trying to ask him too. And he's like, oh, you, uh, no, I've seen it before in person, just never really in this scenario. And I'm like, I don't know what other scenario you'd see it in. But sure, okay. You know, maybe you saw it, maybe you saw just the torque sitting on the ground and designed it from there. You know, and the, the shit that he did to it was really, really smart. It was a really clever uh, update that they had done. But but he didn't know what it looked like in the machine. And, and I, 
the reason I think that doesn't happen is because we all know that bolt on the bottom that that is there for no goddamn reason, and you can't get a socket or you can't get a socket on it or anything else. You know, you got to pull all this other shit to get to it. Like, why wouldn't you have fixed that in the design department instead of making us take another four hours to pull this goddamn bolt out? Well, the torque itself is, but it's got a case on it. So it's kind of like a transmission. You can see the transmission sitting there or like an engine, right? You can see the engine sitting there, but the internals of it are not that you can't see the internals. So you can't see the crank or the pistons. Yeah. You can see it if the machine's articulated a certain way. You can kind of see it up there where the drive line is. But, um, but yeah, he had only ever seen it on paper, apparently, and didn't know where it was in the machine. He kind of knew a general area, but never had seen it, you know. And it's amazing that there's that disconnect. Somebody's got to bridge that gap at some point. Yeah, I, I I would imagine they're not comfortable talking about like proprietary information, but uh, their day to day and ways they do these things it would be a fascinating podcast. I'd love to hear about it. Yeah, by some metric and some standard. <laughs> Right. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that's fine. Uh, so obviously it's, it's a hell of a lot of fun to, to, teach somebody something, you know, I mean, you've talked about it before too. Just, it's so fun to be able to help other people grow and learn things. And, um, especially learning it in the way that I think is best, which is a little arrogant to say maybe, but it's the way I learned it. And so I try to teach it that way. And, um, but, but more so my favorite parts of the training aspect was I never learned so much until I had to start teaching it. Right. Like, I had gone through training courses. I had, I had, you know, gone through various uh, online training courses just to try to build myself, you know, or whatever it is. Um, but once you have to start teaching people, you get you get it at a whole new level, right? If you have to break it down again to the basics to to show somebody how to do something, it really gives you um, a new uh, perspective on what that job or item might be, and so. My favorite part about training was being able to travel all over the place, meet all these big, you know, these these trainers that knew everything and the ins and outs of all this stuff, and be able to absorb the information and then give it back uh, to people, and then being able to uh, become a resource for these people um, was was one of the best things there was. I, I you know, I, I, everybody saw me come into the CRC shop and for maybe a few months, and then next thing they knew, I was walking around. Uh, with a clipboard talking to people about what else they wanted to learn, you know, and it was actually a really cool thing. They, they always said, you know, take at least one hour a day to just walk the shop and talk to people. 
So that way they knew it was like a friendly face, right? It's a friendly face when you go to their class and it's not just like some big bad instructor and they're going to, they're going to sit you down and teach you something, you know, and you're more just like a friend. You can go up and have a conversation about whatever the subject matter is. And as long as you're able to, uh, uh, steer the conversation in the right direction, you can usually learn something from it. And so, um, that, that was a, a huge piece that I took into management, um, was being able to communicate with people, uh, and being able to speak in front of a group, you know, and when I'd have to go to these mines and things, I'd be in front of 8,500 people, um, not 8,500, 85 to a hundred people, uh, talking about shit that they do on a daily basis, you know, and I'm supposed to be the guy that they're there to learn something from, you know, and so it gave me, uh, it gave me a skill set that I never would have gotten if I was just turning wrenches. And so that was, that was my favorite part about training was that it, it really taught me a lot more than I ever knew I needed to know. I'm just about this industry and everything. Yeah. everything <laughs> except for the work <laughs> uh uh no it's it's uh it's a it's first of all being a heavy equipment mechanic like i said there's not many people that do it so anybody you talk to when you tell them what you do they're interested right i mean most of them especially if it's a dude uh but uh it, it's just uh it's a fun uh, interesting job to have you're out there in the elements doing shit i, I was on a field truck for a while too so um i kind of know what it's like doing it i think that takes a special breed the, the fact that you can do it as much as you do and as long as you've done it hats off to you because i i couldn't you know i'm one of those guys that prefers a shop um but i uh i like it because it's it's always different you can always get better at it and it's applicable to everything outside of your daily duties if you know your car breaks you've got an idea on how to fix it the wife's car breaks. I know, I know, I know. But sometimes the honeydews uh, involve turning wrenches, and those are the ones I pick first usually. But uh, yeah, no, I, I, I love that it's always a necessity. It's always going to be there. I never have to worry about having a job as long as I'm good at what I do. Um, and even if this fails, which it very well could, uh, I, I know I can always go get a job and go back to my basics of turning wrenches. I never thought that I'd be able to start a business going back to the basics of turning wrenches, but um, I did it and I'm so happy I did. And now I'm going to do it my own way after all these years of experience. And um, a lot of things are the same. A lot of things are totally different. Uh, so, yeah, I just I, I love that it's just always a needed skill set to have and it's never going to go away, even as we get into electric cars and all that other shit. There will still be people needing to know how to turn wrenches. Um, yeah, uh, uh, so starting, I would say the work, uh, it's, it's slow. <laughs> it takes yes. time. You have to be patient and smart and, uh, clever and use a whole different set of skills that you never thought you'd have to, even if you don't even have them, you know, uh, like building a website. I didn't know how to do that shit, but I, so thank God for YouTube. I was able to figure it out. <laughs> um, 
learning how to invoice customers, right? That's something you're still working on too. It's, oh, it just takes time yes. to learn it, you know? Yes. Uh, but it's, it's, uh, it sucks having to learn that stuff because I don't get paid to put logos on invoices or build websites or take pictures and put them to Instagram. Um, but it's a necessary evil that you have to have to continue growing your business. Right now, I, it's not fun necessarily to, to write a check to sponsor a podcast, but it's mm. fun to be able to sponsor a podcast. You know, it's, uh, it's fun to do it because, uh, I don't know, it's, you, you're able to and you want to, and so you do it. I'd rather sponsor a podcast for free. That's funner. But <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> it doesn't do anything. <laughs> Sorry, bud. <laughs> it just doesn't do anything. I so no, just, I, like I said, if it's free, I could just I, be like, hey, check out Eric. You you could find him somewhere. I know, but it'd be worth nothing. <laughs> <laughs> You'd be doing it for everybody. Yeah. But no, it's 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 the best part about it is being able to do whatever you think is best for your business. Yeah. And that could be one day building a website and that could be the other day working on a transmission. And I get to choose that. Uh, this week, I thought it was better for me to take a night off and work on a Saturday and a Sunday to make up for it, you know, and um, it sucks to have to work on Saturday or Sunday, but it's it's badass to have that option Yes, uh, to where I can pull that off, you know, and um, it's it's fun to watch your brand grow. It's fun to watch, you know, your the business that I used to dude. I used to beat my head against the computer. I didn't have anything else I could work on. You know, I'd, I'd work for six hours in my garage, not make a sale. And I'd just be bashing my head against the computer like, what the fuck else do I do? Mm. I've sent customers every email I can think of. I've called everybody. Uh, I've tried everything. Nothing's happening. And now I'm bashing my head against, you know, the pillow. Like, get six hours of sleep at least so you can go back to work the next day. Because <laughs> I've got work out the door, you know. And it doesn't happen overnight. It just the more you do it, the more it just starts to happen, you know? And, um, I don't know if that answers your question very well or not, oh, yeah. but I'm just listening. Man. Uh, I, I find it very intriguing that, you know, people that start from nothing, you know, and can build a, a great business. And it just, I envy everybody that does it. So I love listening to, you know, what you have to say, because your, your opinion on how to start a business or your experience maybe way different from the other guy I talked to, you know, two weeks ago type thing. So yeah. I, I like to learn cause you never know my company could shut down in four months type thing. And that might be my opportunity to start a business, you know? So true. Yeah. Oh, I, I, on the other side, I envy you for having insurance. So that's, that's one bad part of <laughs> starting a small business. <laughs> I actually don't have insurance through my company. I actually have insurance through my wife's company because they have way better benefits. But, gotcha. uh, you know, that's just one of the perks of having an amazing wife, I guess. Yeah. Good for you. My, my wife's been a stay-at-home one for, we've been married a little over 11 years now, and she's never had to really work, you know. And, you know what? And um, that, that's badass on you because you can do that. Yeah, well, it's badass for her, too, because she had to live with very little money for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> well, I do not <laughs> allow that because my wife has horses so or a horse now. Ah, so I'm told yeah. her, I will not pay for your damn horses. You have to pay for that. I grew up with horses, and I know that's, that is not cheap. So uh, yeah. props, props to you guys for that. <laughs> but kids aren't cheap either, and oh, uh, I got two of them. Yes. So they're not cheap either, but... Uh, but no, it really makes it worth it. I, I was at, I was talking to a guy recently who had, who had a business, and uh, he was talking about you know his wife's pregnant now, and 
It's like, shit, dude, I almost feel like my life's like over. Like they're not ready for it. Right. And, mm. um, he's like, what did that do for you? Like you have kids. What did that do for you? And I'm like, having kids is the best thing that ever happened to me. I was a piece of shit before this, you know? And then I had a reason to make money and have a, have a stable household. You're never, and that was everything. You're never prepared for kids. No. Even if you plan it. I mean, that's having kids is like getting in a damn fight. You're never prepared, but you do what you got to do. <laughs> right. 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 So. Yeah, and if, if you do it the right way, you'll become a better person for it. Yes. And uh, that's what it did to me. Thank God. So, uh, oh, sorry, I thought you were done. My bad. No, no, go ahead, go ahead. I was going to say, ahead. what? it's actually something that you, you put on here. What should people consider, you know, when thinking of growth in a company? Within a company. Jesus, I can't talk. Within a company. <laughs> um, what people should consider, I don't remember that one. What people should consider when thinking of growth when, within a within a company. Growth within a company. Okay, yeah, not growth <laughs> like not my company. Growth within a, an organization or yes, a company. I, yes. I kind of said it earlier. Um, uh, the biggest thing that you should think of first is if you want to make more money, you have to figure out ways to make mm-hmm. your company more money. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, it's it's a it's a yin and a yang. If you if you don't make them more money, you can't expect them to pay you more money. But if you make them more money and they don't pay you more money, somebody else will. So in order to grow, you have to learn and, and uh, uh-oh. Uh-oh, I still got you. I got a call. Oh. Okay, cool. <laughs> <clears throat> Wife's calling me. Um, but no, it's, uh, she doesn't give up either. <laughs> Hang on. Let's just break it. So we're back from break here. We don't really really remember what we were talking about. So we're just going to wing it. Um, The growth within a company, I'm going to kind of take it from here on this one. But uh, I think, you know, whether it's owned or you work for somebody, growth within a company, I think I never really gained an appreciation for a company until I went to work for who I work for now. And my boss said something to me that stuck with me, and I live by that day by day now. It's his dad always told him, if you work for somebody, you treat that company as if it was your own. And I don't know why it just stuck with me. And, like, I literally go to work every day and go to these machines, and I treat treat it, like, as if it was my own. Like, these are my machines. You're operating Mm -hmm. my machine. You know, I got to fix these machines because they're – Mine. And yeah. I, I think if you got employees, not to toot my own horn, like me, <laughs> that appreciate <laughs> the business, want to help out the business, blah, 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 do the best for the company, that's great for growth within a company as well. Because yeah. you got you got employees that care about, you know, doing better, not just I'm here for a paycheck. Yeah. Yeah, it's usually those 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 employees that, that get the next shot too. Yes, they're the ones that are on the 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 either the managers or the owners' radar. Like, hey, if he's trying this hard in this in this side of things, what if we put him here? Could we make more money off of it? You yes. know, or could we give him another opportunity to to dive in even deeper? You know, and um, I mean that's ultimately a business's goal, right? It's to make money, and yep. part of that. goal requires growth of employees yes they're not just doing it out of the kindness of the heart even if it it is kind you know and it is helpful they're doing it because they want to make more money and and but you're also wanting to take on more challenges and do more for a company because you want to make more money mm-hmm. 
That's why it's the yin and the yang. It works perfectly that way. Yep. It's capitalism. It's great. Yeah, and I've always, every company I've been to, I've always had the attitude of, I'm here to take over, basically. Like, if it, if you're yeah. my boss, eventually I'm going to take your job. You know, like, that's yeah. just my, I want the next best thing. I'm here to bust ass, so I'm back yeah, at 100%. it again. <laughs> yeah, I love it. Anyway. And I, people people like that, too, is hard to find. Yeah. You can't really teach that. The, 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 the caring of equipment or just of your job in general, like it's your own. Um, it's, you don't really teach that. Mm-hmm. That's just either an inherited trait or, you know, you can learn it, but it can't be taught. Yeah. I don't know. Right. I, I just always been like that. And then, you know, I got into a service truck and was able to take the service truck home and, you know, that's, that's my vehicle. You know, I may not own it, but that's my daily driver. And that's a, that's a, uh, a privilege you know, to have a, a company vehicle that you get to take home. So you better treat yeah. that thing with love and respect and take care of it. And yeah. some of these guys, you know, their trucks just hammered. And I'm like, why, why? <laughs> yeah. Like I don't get paid to clean my truck. Yeah. Well, like Buddha, I'm calling you out, boy. He's my buddy oh. Buddha. He was on podcast with me. He's one of my best friends. He has my old John Deere service truck. And it kills me to see it because it's been through a few guys since I left and it's just hammered and I'm like, man, I had that thing was so beautiful when I had it. <laughs> <laughs> so Yeah. Not everybody does it. It's yeah. not it's not the worst thing, but yeah, it is it is good if you have it though. If you're if you have that care and uh and I, I honestly never did for a long time. I didn't really start caring about my career until I got that training job. Mm-hmm. I mean that that manager there, I don't even know if I think he's probably still there. In fact, I even still keep in touch with him once in a while. But um, he, by him, by him giving me that shot, it made me look at my job completely different. You know, it was like now I've got I had like a whole new uh, appreciation for career and not job. Um, and he he really he was like he was like the major proponent that changed the trajectory of my entire career. It was that one. Act, you know, and he, he probably had in the books, it made sense on paper. It might've made sense in one way or another, but for me, it was like, it changed everything for me mm-hmm. that between that and having, having grown up in a family that has always kind of done it, you know, and my dad is a extremely hard worker, really smart. Um, not an academic as well. You know, he, he built his business from nothing, sold a, sold his house at one point, made a little bit of money off of it. Not a ton. And uh, just threw it at the business as hard as he could, and and worked every day until he retired. I remember, I'd be like, when I'd go to school, I remember hit the truck. I'd hear, he had a big old F two fifty, and it was right outside of my window. And every morning at you know four o'clock in the morning, I'd hear it fire up. And uh, I remember never being mad about it. I was always just, I'd always just felt super appreciative of it. Like, damn, that guy's like, he's going and going to grind for mm-hmm. us, you know, and mm-hmm. that's badass. And uh, and then I started working, and every time I hear my, my car start up, for me to go to work, I'd be pissed about it. I'm like, God damn, I have to go do all this shit again, mm. you know? <laughs> but but once, I, once I got an appreciation for my, my career and knew that I wasn't going to have to just do the same monotonous shit all the time, and I could actually build it into something better and grow and um, turn into one of the good guys instead of just the other guys that just do the same old thing all day long and never try to go for anything else. Uh that's that's how I 
avoid burnout. <laughs> That's yeah. how I like being a mechanic. That's how I like doing what I do. And, uh, and I try to maintain that, uh, that aspect as much as I can. Hmm. Yeah. I don't think we're in the same boat there, man. Pretty much. I just, uh, I work for the man. You work for yourself. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I know you had a couple questions for me. I don't know if you want to actually get into them or not. I know you're, you may have to go. So. No, I'm, I'm still good on time. Uh, but I did uh, change my email. Let me pull that back up so I know what I'm <laughs> Oh yeah, you always talk about uh, uh, construction side versus ag side. As a guy that's never been on the ag side, what's so much better about, or what's so much better about ag than construction? Like as a general, so much better. Yeah, like and, you, you always say that you did construction, you hated it. Well, Was it because no, of the company I, you worked for? Or I did. What? I did ag first, and I started so automotive my whole career switched to agriculture working for a John Deere dealer in 2015 and I did that for a couple of years and then we ended up moving out here to Texas and I switched over to construction so I hated construction when we first got into it because okay. I was so used to the good old boy farmer boys you know like just good dudes you know and wanting to help out if you needed help on their machine or they had field hands that would would help out, and then I move out here and start working for construction, and you've got these just assholes working on job sites, and it's just like, fuck this, I'm going to go back to ag. <laughs> so I went back to the ag side for about a month, and they completely burned me, so mm-hmm. uh, I can't remember what year that was. I had only been on construction for less than a year, and I went over to this ag dealer for four weeks and I've talked about that and I came back to construction and when I came back to construction that's when I really gained an appreciation for it and was like you know I I really didn't give a shit before about my whole career you know I wasn't really keen on learning too much you know I was just there to to work and learn if I could but that's when I went back that's when I really was like I really want to I want to learn this stuff you know and I want to be good at what what I do so Ever since then is when I really buckled down and gotcha. took advantage of it. But ag's not bad. You know, I just, yeah. if I had to go back now, I would if I had to. But it's, it's agriculture, John Deere is very hard compared to construction as far as like electrical diagnostics. And really, there's a lot hmm. of controllers on a, a combine versus, you know, let's just say a loader. You know, you got yep. five or six controllers versus 32 controllers. Mm-hmm. It's heavier, <laughs> heavier on the, the construction side, but, you know. Is it just for all the, the gizmos and shit that it's having to operate all the time? Well, or? you've got, well, you've got, it's, I don't even want to get into it on, on a combine, but you've got sensors that read everything. You've got, you know, even the damn air conditioning and heater is all smart stuff now, you know, so mm. it's all canvas. Yeah. So, yeah. There's a lot to it. I, I like it. I just wouldn't go back. Yeah. So. You know, it's, 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 it's funny. Cause everybody, a lot of guys always, uh, especially a lot of the old school guys, they always talk about how much they hate, uh, the involvement of electronics on all this mechanical shit. Mm-hmm. 
And uh, don't get me wrong, the, the mechanical stuff is badass. Like the way they were able to, like right now I'm building a 631 front transmission. It's an older one, a D model. <clears throat> there's there's nothing electronic on it. Um, and it's an automatic eight-speed transmission, you know, and the, the, the things that have to happen inside those valve groups, it's a lot like a, like a fuel governor for like a 3406, okay. like B, right? Like mm -hmm. an older one. Uh, the, the amount of, like weights and centrifugal force and counterbalances and you know oil against spring and blah 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 you know <clears throat> that's why i was so excited to meet that engineer i'm like man somebody had to think of this at one point and that that's really incredible shit that they're doing with with like the basics of physics you know but uh but moving into the electrical side it simplifies a lot of things um <clears throat> especially for like diagnosing and things like that but uh Man, I, I really see it as like job security because yeah. it, especially for transmissions, uh, you know, transmissions, they would just shift and, you know, it'd be boom. And then all of a sudden it'd go faster, you know, and mm -hmm. the mm -hmm. operator have to hold on for dear life and make sure he didn't fall out of the cabin and was running, you know, and, uh, and now it's like there's smooth shifting and everything's a cushioned seat and air conditioned cab, you know, and yeah. it's quiet. And, uh, but it's all, it's nothing, nothing really changed mechanically. They just change the way they shift the transmission and now they modulate it instead of going one off one on you know and now they like slowly back one off and slowly put on put the next gear on or next clutch or whatever <clears throat> and uh it makes the operator happy because it doesn't lunge forward every time but all it's doing is it's all it's doing is it's slipping the clutch and so for me as a transmission guy i'm like hell yeah keep slipping the clutch because they need a break so i can have a job so everything's got the external I'm just guessing because, like I said, I'm not a cat guy. So you're talking like pulse with modulation to kind of just mm -hmm. slowly shift instead of just one open and close type thing. Yep. Okay. Yeah, it used yeah. to just be a spool that would slide over, and one yeah. channel would open, and the other one would close. And two, one clutch would go off, and the next would go on, and it, it would Slam. shift and go. You know, and and they would do they do small things inside of those to help cushion the shift a little bit. But man, it was it's not like it is today. Mm. Now they're like purposely slipping clutches yeah. <laughs> to make the operators happy, you know, and um and it makes sense for safety and things like that. But as a transmission guy who needs these things to break uh once in a while so I can get some work in my shop, uh I love watching it happen. It's it <laughs> it's one of those things I'd like to ask an engineer, you know. <laughs> like why do you you know you know what you're doing, right? It's at the expense it's it's satisfying the operator at the expense of the transmission. Yeah. Um so why? Why do you do it that way? Why is it so important? You know, and but I don't know. I could I can go on a tirade with yes, that one forever. So could but, I. <laughs> you know, one day we'll have to have a beer and talk. But yes, sir. For podcast sake, we'll let that one go for now. Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, anything else while we're here? Yeah, I guess the only uh, the only other question I have is the last two things that I have on there is what's your favorite? Like, it takes a special breed to be a field tech. I did it. I've done it. You know. A handful of times for a little while but never never as like a full-time job and uh man it was it was hard for me um so i'm curious like what is your favorite thing about being on the field and why you prefer it mm. i think at least prefer it over being in the shop mm. that's tough man because just being in the field you know you have your freedom and you're kind of your own boss when you're out there and you gotta make your decisions and how you're gonna do things and first of all you know that that's one of my favorite things is you know you got to be creative like me and joe were talking on the last podcast is like definitely a different breed you know you got to come up with some shit and 
you know, figure it out on your own. And me, myself, I can't work in a shop. I get too stir crazy when we're slow and I'm, I'm stuck at the shop, even out in the yard, man, I, I just go too crazy. Cause it's the same thing. Uh, hmm. like, like the other day I was stuck at the yard putting tracks on a machine and, uh, putting a coupler on another, you know, working with my resident and I'm just like, man, I, I hate this, <laughs> but, <Yeah. laughs> uh, favorite, like, that's just one of my favorite things. And that's what keeps me going in the field. And, uh, you know, I like helping, I like working with the operators and talking to everybody and just having a, having a life outside of work while you're working, I guess is the best way to put it. And, yeah. uh, I love, I love what I do and, uh, being able to be like, yeah, this is what was wrong, bro. You know, here you go. <laughs> that, I, that I completely understand. So yep. being able to like be the guy that went out there and fixed it. Now mm, here it is, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Yep, I love that part of it. The, the troubleshooting aspect of things is so much fun. Mm-hmm. It's, that's another one where you can't just go get taught on it. You just have to learn it. You know, and like I'm chasing the transmission out issue right now. And uh, it's like you you look at it and you're like, there's there's no way it could be doing what it's doing. There's there's no way. There's nothing that could be causing it. But something's fucking causing it, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so trying to chase that. And, and the, the amount of stuff you learn on the way to finding what it is that's causing it that in your mind doesn't exist, mm-hmm. uh, that's, man, that's like, it's it's priceless information that you can gather, you know? Yeah. And I remember one time we had a we had a transmission issue on a, on a dozer, and it would overheat the pump, or I'm sorry, overheat the torque constantly. It would heat up real quick, and it would not cool down. And uh, without getting into all the specifics of how those things work, it was one of those things where it's like there's there's nothing in here that could be causing that. Like it, it, everything, we've taken the transmission out, we've taken the torque out, we've taken everything out, we've changed the cooler, we've done all this stuff, we've gone through every inch of this goddamn transmission, and there's no reason for it to be doing what it's doing. And I think on like the third pole, we had like all the best guys on this thing working on it, you know. And there's a transmission that I built, and I was just like, I was getting the shit end of all the jokes the entire time, you know. And wow, well, maybe we should have had somebody else build it, you know. And, uh, and then we finally found it. It was a tiny little, it was like, man, the size, it, the, a tenth of the size of a grain of rice, you know, a tiny little piece of metal had gotten stuck in a small orifice mm-hmm. in the spool that controls the outlet flow of the torque converter. And, uh, you know, the, everything outside of it looks fine, but you can only see it if you shine the light through the tiny little orifice. And um, that one speck of dirt fucked that whole machine up. Mm-hmm. You know, it's amazing. I've seen like, it. Like, we, the machines are built to move all this dirt and run over all this shit, but the tiniest little thing can get in it and ruin the entire yeah. the entire system, you know. And, um, but learning that part of it is, it's now I know how that valve works inside and out, and I know if there's something there that is like a ghost problem, I'm looking at that tiny little orifice first, you know. <laughs> Hell yeah, you learn and you never forget that. Right. Well, well, man, I think we should wrap this thing up for sure. We're uh, let's do it. We're <laughs> we're up there in time. But, uh, I, uh, I definitely appreciate, you know, everything you're doing for me and coming on here and bullshitting with me, you know, after a day's work and, uh, you know, hopefully we can, uh, stay cool. <laughs> sure. Dude. Yeah, man. Do it again. We'll talk more. Yeah. Uh, no, I, I appreciate you having me on. I'm, I'm, I'm happy to, to be the, the flagship sponsor for you. Um, like I said, it, I, it, I just appreciate what you're doing, even if it's not 
for the reasons that I like it for. You know, yeah, no. I'm just glad that there's a, there's a podcast out there for guys like me and uh, everybody else that listens, and um, hopefully they can we can gain a little community out of it and uh, meet some people and keep it keep this thing going. So, Eric, we're uh, I, I obviously no you haven't heard the ad on here, but uh, where can people find you on social media or you know your website, all that good stuff. Yeah, I uh, mainly uh, Instagram is what I post to now. I, I've kind of stopped doing uh, LinkedIn so much because it's gotten really mm-hmm. market heavy, you know. And man, I, I get like eighty messages a day from like random people saying, "Hey, do you need your walls painted or <laughs> yeah. whatever else?" You know. And, yeah. um, so I, I don't really jump on LinkedIn anymore. I don't have time for it. But uh, so I do most of my posting on Instagram, and it's uh, underscore HD Services underscore. Um, or you can uh, check out my website, which is www.hdsvcs.com. Um, and that's pretty much it. Otherwise, right. I'm happy to hear from anybody. And if people have transmission issues, I hope I'm not signing myself up to too many messages. But <laughs> if you have a transmission issue and a cat, if it's yellow and it says cat on it, I might be able to help. Right on, brother. I uh, Like I said before, I appreciate it. Um... And uh, I guess we're starting October off on uh, the good foot, the good foot, the right foot, whatever you want to call it. Uh, I'll probably fix that. <laughs> anyway, yes, uh, Eric is our first official sponsor, and I'm uh, happy that we can team up and do our thing together. And hopefully, you know, I can help you out and you can help me out. And yeah. uh if anybody needs to get a hold of Eric through me or if you need to get a hold of me, certified wrench podcast at gmail.com. If you guys could uh, help a brother out, you know, whatever platform you guys are streaming on, uh, iTunes, Spotify, whatever else, give me five stars if you love me. Leave me a, a review because that always helps too. Because I'm trying to get back up there in those spots and uh, those reviews really help me out. And, uh, got the new merch line up and you know looking to sell some merch so i could put that money towards the studio and whatever else you know to help the podcast out so link trees on my social medias go check it out you know order some stuff if you can if not you know i i enjoy the love anyway <laughs> anyway man i think that's it yeah cool this is a good episode uh, uh i'm pretty happy with it so to all you guys out there listening Thank you for the love. Thank you for all the new follows. And uh, until next time, we'll see you guys. Thanks, y'all.